Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, your host, and this is episode 65. So if it's your first one, go listen to a bunch of the other ones, yo, we got plenty. We're going to talk about stone drivers today. Hi, I'm Bo Nellis, and I'm a stone driver. But first, we're going to talk about stoner moments. And uh, this is definitely getting out late again this week, but I decided I'm not going to apologize because I'm basically just apologizing to myself, really, in the end. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to do that. But I can't blame it on being busy this week either because I haven't been. I have been bumming it. I have been bumming it. I'm still doing the fungi thing, and that's really working really well for me. I feel like I'm getting a, a good sense of peacefulness about existence that there's like a security to existence that I haven't really felt much in my life. And I'm definitely getting that on a day-to-day basis. But what I'm not always getting is this like drive and determination to like push myself right now. Uh, The nice thing is that I haven't slipped into any more depression where I can't get things done. I'm just kind of in this weird limbo state, as we like push into 2017, I feel like I should be like making a New Year's resolution or something, but I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like, I don't know, everybody's like, oh, I can't wait for 2016 to end. Fuck you. And I'm kind of like, eh, careful what you wish for. I'm not sure I'm ready to move into 2017. But. I also think that's just part of like a personality change. As I move into becoming the person I want to be, I have to learn to let go of the person basically that I am. And that's, uh, I mean, not the entire person, obviously, but a lot of the stupid habits that I've come to use to identify me that aren't truly identifying markers to who I am as a person and all that other good jazz. But anyway, point being, I'm not going to apologize for it anymore because I've been listening to, okay, so I've been binging on the Grow From Your Heart podcast. Hey, what's up, White Mike? That's the dude that I couldn't remember that I was talking about last week. We might as well just move into like segue into some stoner moments here. White Mike is the name of the dude that I couldn't remember. And I've been listening to some more podcasts and definitely becoming more familiar with him. And he's still a dude who knows his stuff. We don't always agree on some things, but he's definitely a dude who deserves some respect. Also, I'm becoming familiar with the whole the whole tribe. I got I got White Mike, I've got Lindsay the Traveling Hippie, Jesse Grows on top of Rasa Jeff, and then Dabbing Granny too, and she gave me a shout out. What a sweetheart. So as I've been binging, uh, I I was listening, I don't remember which episode I was listening to, but Rasta Jeff mentioned that he was going to go to the Secret Cup. Which, if you are a listener, you know that I love the Secret Cup. As janky as it is, it's like, I love it so much. And I was like, oh, man, I wonder if you listened to that episode. And oh, shit, what did I say? I mean, obviously, I called it janky as fuck. And I was like, ah. Um, But I went back and listened to it so that I could remember some of the things that I said. And I discovered some things that I said I would talk about that I still haven't talked about. So we can look forward to some more outlines coming up next week. 
but as I've been binging, it's just really funny to, to hear some of the things that we have in common throughout. It's, uh, I love it. If you're not listening to Grow From Your Heart, do that. Uh, next thing that I wanted to say at first stoner moment is thank you so much to Willie for making a very generous donation to the Spliff Podcast. It is so much appreciated, and I meant to say it last week, and I didn't. Thank you for being super awesome, and you didn't have to do that, but you did it anyway, and I really appreciate it. So between Willie and Dharma Bodhidharma and her human Scott, uh, I have almost made up for my first year of web hosting. Woot, woot. And I really need to get on other things. I need to like make some merch or something. I know that I need to do that. I mean, there's making a contribution and then there's having a fucking like sweatshirt that says the Spliff Podcast on it, right? And those are two different things. And placing your money in those two different places, uh, I know which one I'd want to do. So if you don't want to wait for merch though and still want to help support the podcast, I do have a Patreon set up and you can find that on my website or just by going to Patreon. Either way, you're going to need to know the Spliff Podcast. That is the S-P-L-I-F-F as in Foxtrot, Foxtrot, P-O-T as in Tango, cast. Not podcast, podcast. Get it? Isn't it punny? Oh my gosh, I'm so funny. I know. I think I'm like one of like a dozen podcasts, but hey, it was still really funny when I thought of it on my couch, super stoned. Uh, let's see here. What else did I say? Oh, oh, and I wanted to say too, uh, between all the shout outs and everything, I, I'm feeling so much love and I definitely know that there are some big people out there who are sharing the podcast, but I also know that there are people who maybe don't have their own podcast or vlog channel to let me know that uh, they're telling other people about it and you are still telling other people about the podcast. And I just want to say thank you to all of you out there. Yeah, you. I feel you out there. Thank you, guys. It gets me out of bed in the day. All right. Shall we smoke then before we move on to the main part? I don't know what you're token on. I've been doing a lot of dabs. I've been smoking on. I'm pretty much finished up with all that indica that I got from Secret Sesh. And that might be contributing to my whole little limbo feel too, but... At the same time, feeling more stoned than high has been pleasant lately. It doesn't, It kind. Of, I mean, I don't want to say it fits my funk, but it kind of fits my funk. And, and I wouldn't say that it's the cause of why I've watched so much American greed on television lately, but I do think that I can say it's kind of helped me not care as much. So I'm trying to get some more sativas in. What I really need to be doing is bumping up my sativa edibles, I think, because I'm losing a lot of my physicality right now. And I'm just like, stupid winter, but it's actually gorgeous outside right now. It's like 68 degrees or some shit. It's really windy, but the Suze helps a lot with that. So I have no excuse and so I should probably just bump up some of my sativa edibles. I haven't really been been using very many edibles outside of the CBD because I've been taking so many dabs and getting so high from that all day long. 
All right. Well, I got some golden pineapple and chug-a-lug right now. Cheers. Don't worry, I got a different strain for the safety. But I really need a happy, mellow sativa for my day. So we're back on the golden pineapple. I really hope to get some more of that double dream, though. Mm. All right, let's get into some opinionated rambling. Stoned driving. Now, here's the thing. God damn hipster neighbors. Probably working on some do-it-yourself project or some shit like that. God damn it. They were gone all week last week. It was amazing. But apparently now they're home all week this week. They wake up so early. Okay. Back to what we were saying. Stone driving. Now people freak the fuck out that people might be behind the wheel potentially lighting a doobie or having just smoked uh, a dab and they're totally reefer madness out of their brain and they'll never be able to operate heavy machinery. And the fact of the matter is that's just not true. If that were true, it would have been an issue long time ago. People have been smoking weed and driving for a very long time. That's not to say that marijuana won't show up in fatal accidents as access increases. That's just a statistical like leveling of the field. That's just, I mean, if you increase the access, it's going to show up more often in more places because it's in more places for more people. And so many studies just don't even bother to acknowledge that logistical fact. They really just fearmonger, oh, marijuana's in more fatal accidents than ever. Now they have to say too, that it's just present. They can't say it's the cause because it's not. And that's another really important distinction that you have to acknowledge. Cannabis being present in someone who's died in a fatal accident's blood system is not the same as being the cause for the accident. And and this is a problem. You also can't say it wasn't a cause necessarily. But again, I want to refer back to the number of instances where cannabis has been an issue in the past as a way to project what kind of instances we can see in the future that cannabis would be the cause for. And they're relatively fucking non-existent. Not completely non-existent, but they're so minuscule in number that they aren't significant to an argument. Not any more than being stung by a bee in your car would be, which, hey, I have almost had that happen. And that is no joke, all right? You can't drive when you're about to be stung by a bee. I drive all the time while I'm smoking a joint. The difference being that one is not trying to fucking attack me. 
I have absolutely no data to back up people dying by being stung by bees while they're driving. So don't let that freak you out. I just, I thought of the first thing that popped into my head that has been an issue that would just be totally rando and that was it. But I really have had a bee stuck in the car with me and I know that I'm not alone. So if I had to take my pick, I'm going to pick the joint. But I'm going to talk about the studies and more of those specifics uh, a little later The other point that I really want to make is that when we're talking about cannabis or marijuana, we're talking about medical needs as well. That has not changed whatsoever. People still need to medicate. And the whole point of cannabis is that it gives people back their quality of life. It gives them the opportunity to go to work, to lead productive lives, to do the things that they can't do when they are stuck in pain and incapable of leaving that mental state and physical state. So to then say that because this medicine works for you so well that you can now return to work, oh, but wait, you can't drive because you're intoxicated. There's, do you, do you hear, do you hear that argument? You're okay to work. You feel good enough to work, but you don't feel good enough to drive. No, in fact, you feel too good to drive. I would argue that I finally feel good enough to get behind the wheel. That's not the same as feeling impaired. Feeling euphoric is not in and of itself an impairment. A lot of times it relieves the true impairment, which is pain, If you've ever been clouded by pain, I mean, we've all been sick. We've all had something that has happened, a broken bone uh, or the stomach flu or your appendix flared up. Something in your life has affected you to the point where you had to deal with that medical issue in order to live out the rest of your life. And then once that medical issue is dealt with, you then return to your normal life. That's what cannabis is doing here. It is allowing people to return to their normal life, to be medicated, and driving as part of living a normal life. Now, sometimes the pain isn't just physical. Sometimes it's a very mental pain. Personally, when I'm driving, and remember, I'm in LA area. I am in the Los Angeles area and I'm dealing with Los Angeles traffic. And in fact, I'm north of LA where the infrastructure isn't even close to adequate to deal with the overflow from Los Angeles County. And I'm in Ventura County. One of the issues that I face with when I'm stuck in traffic is that it gives, it gives me this claustrophobic like anxiety. It's like being trapped in a mob where you can't, you literally can't get out. And while, sure, I'm not necessarily in any physical danger, everything in my body, everything the way that my body is responding to this situation is exactly like I am in physical danger. Like I am in the process of about to being suffocated because people are going to topple in on top of me and I have to get out. And that manifests itself into road rage. Some of this also comes from the fact that you expect people to behave a certain way, to, I mean, part of driving, if you're, if you're driving isn't multitasking, if you're there to drive, you should be there to drive. But I would say that there's two different kinds of people. I mean, there's never two groups of anything, but there are people who are going somewhere 
And then there are people who are fucking going somewhere. Generally, if I'm behind the wheel of a car, I'm going from point A to point B, and everything in my being says I should do that as efficiently as possible. And that means going the higher end of the speed limit. That generally means getting through traffic like it's my job. And that perspective doesn't always work with other people. And I know I've talked about it in previous podcasts, but it's a perspective that I was not able to let go of until I came back from my very first secret cup, speaking of which. And it really, being so dabbed out, put me in a mental state that I find to be a very normal for, I mean, just the best kind of label, heteronormative, cisgendered, white male, totally happy and comfortable in my life, normal. We're like, I would never have been, I can't understand on a regular day-to-day basis how people can just be going somewhere and then get there when they get there. That is not a mental state that I carry around with me or have access to very readily. However, when my system is totally flooded with cannabinoids, and I will say indica-rich terpenes too, for the most part, tend to be much more productive in putting me in that mental state than sativa ones do. I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to to, to drive anxiety-free. That's not to say that I wasn't able to still pay attention to traffic that I wasn't still able to completely and efficiently maintain and manage all of the functions that are required of a driver. You drive. I don't care if I'm speeding or if I'm really stoned and I'm doing 63. I am driving and I, I really do my best to operate on that level. Now, that's not to say that I've never spaced out where You know, I'm coming home from work and then before I know it, I'm like, holy shit, is this my exit? But that doesn't mean that just because I'm stoned, that's caused it. It doesn't mean that it hasn't, but it's a mental state that you can get to through meditation, through simply thinking. I mean, driving, it becomes so perfunctory, such a habit for so many people that we forget we're doing it a lot of times and we let ourselves go on autopilot. That's not a phrase because only stoners do it. It's a mental state that people can get into all the time. And I will say that when I drive stoned, I can achieve that mental state much more easily. That doesn't mean that I've spaced out on the fact that I'm driving. It means that I'm thinking and driving and I've got that over-focus of being in a meditative state or being stoned. But that overfocus is what is relieving my claustrophobic anxiety. So being stoned really makes me a better driver. And when I say it makes me a better driver, I say it because I'm not trying to get out of that mob. I mean, I can be in a concert in a mob and and know how to to maneuver myself because I can maneuver. But when you're stuck in a car, you can't maneuver. It's, I, I don't normally have claustrophobia. So I didn't even realize that it was that kind of feeling until I really tried to, to articulate 
what was going on in my life. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like like the people are going to flood in on me. This, this is like what claustrophobic feels like. So I want to not just share my story, but uh, I'm also going to share my sister's story. Uh, I come from a family of some very heavy lead-footed drivers, with the exclusion of my grandmother, who just doesn't drive that much to begin with anyway. We are all fast drivers. We all have that kind of like fucking going somewhere mentality. And we are not afraid to use every means that our vehicle has provided within certain limitations, of course, in order to achieve that as quickly and efficiently as possible. Now, my sister leads a very high stress life, especially uh, in the earlier years. She had her own business and she had a full-time job and she routinely goes to school in order for her continuing education in the veterinary field. She's not a veterinarian, but she, uh, she works with animals and has been a vet tech for a really long time. And she owns her own pet sitting business. So she does a lot of driving. Now, that kind of stress, I've talked before how people can get used to being stressed out and how they don't always feel what that does to them. When you add that kind of stress on top of a natural, apparently genetic predilection for uh, aggressive driving, you tend to overreact in traffic situations. Uh, You predict what other people are going to do. And then when drivers don't act like you predict that they will, you don't have the reaction time because you are already thinking three steps ahead. You are no longer paying attention to what is going on. You were thinking before that. And a lot of times you can be doing that when you're in a meditative state or when you're stoned. But in that meditative or stoned state, you have a slower reaction time. You have more time to actually think than you do when you're really frazzled and stressed, whether it's your neurons just signaling better or whether it's uh, hormonal balances that, that make it better or whether you truly just actually take the time to breathe before you make that next decision because everything slowed down a bit. There's something to actually having reaction time And my sister went from, God bless her heart, about like five accidents a year to zero when she started smoking weed while she was driving. And and I have to take a lot of credit for being a terrible influence in that realm because I, I drive and smoke a lot. And it wasn't until I actually had regular access to cannabis that I could afford to smoke and drive on a regular basis. And then really after the secret cup, when I discovered that it made me a better, safer driver, because while I'm not like my sister and I didn't have multiple accidents a year, I'm actually, I had a couple accidents, uh, only one of which I was actually at fault. And that was because it was my first car and I didn't change the brakes and when you don't replace the brake pads, uh, they don't magically reappear. So Lottie Dottie slid into somebody and I learned my lesson. So however, 
I am a very aggressive driver. Like I said, it pays off in that road rage and learning to instead, like I do with my sister when I'm fighting, and this is one of the things too that helped me make that decision, uh, or I shouldn't say when we're fighting, but when I feel the urge to instigate a fight, as she would say, uh, God, don't tell her I said this, Alex, all right? <laughs> Damn it. it. It When I know that I can go to something that I enjoy that will put me in a better state of mind that also does not impact me because I am a medical patient with a high well-understood tolerance, not the highest tolerance. There are plenty of people who can have way more weed than I can, but I'm also a grown-ass adult who knows how to make that decision. I also know that if I go to the bar and have a beer and I feel a little better, maybe I had more conversation than I might normally have had if I hadn't have had that beer, I don't then say, oh, well, I guess I can't drive now. I'm feeling loose. I look at the situation and say, can I actually operate a vehicle at this time? Am I just having a beer in my system or am I actually like buzzed and drunk and should probably either wait or get a cab home? And those are adult decisions that the government allows me to make. If I make the wrong one, they'll still penalize me for it. And if you are inexperienced with cannabis and then decide to get behind the wheel of a car without doing those kinds of checks, or if you're the kind of person who wants to smoke or dab or vape or eat cannabis and then drive and you make the wrong decision and fuck up, you should be held responsible for that kind of thing. But I don't think that we need to fear monger the fact that people also need to do this, that people will be on the roads like this, that we have set up a system that encourages this kind of behavior by acknowledging that it's a medical necessity. Now, the difference between cannabis and like pharmaceuticals, because there is a big difference there, is that pharmaceuticals are registered with the FDA. If you have a prescription for Percocet, and an officer pulls you over and suspects you of intoxicated driving, you might be intoxicated on Percocet and you probably shouldn't have been driving, but at least you have it registered that you have this prescription, this right to be on Percocet. And then the law deals with it accordingly from there. And that's the same kind of model that they have to take with cannabis but they haven't done anything to acknowledge that yet. They haven't said if you're a state registered patient that there are certain allowances um, or that, I mean, they're going to throw a shit ton of money in California towards DUI, specifically on cannabis research, but who the fuck knows where that's going to go. And in the meantime, people like me and my sister who really depend on being able to have cannabis in the moment of our anxiety attacks, of our mental pain, are, are driving around in fear and and really as a target. I feel, I feel like I'm being targeted uh, through the legislation. Now, I did have a friend who was recently pulled over for actually smoking weed. Well, okay, she passed, she was in the passenger side and she handed the pipe to her out-of-state friend who hit it. 
in front of a cop. Ah, it was in a pipe. It was clearly smoking weed. Now, my biggest fear has been that they're just going to go straight to DUI. They're going to go with open container. They're going to throw the book at you. And actually what happened was that the cop uh, just gave her a possession ticket, which is just an infraction, less than a misdemeanor. However, I mean, I got to be real. There were also two cute white girls. So things really play out differently in the area that I live. When it comes to police interactions, law enforcement interactions, I have seen the whole scope, the beautiful and the ugly. But while we're living as closeted cannabis drivers, we're also not cutting you off in your car because you cut me off. I didn't have to get around in front of you and piss off and create a whole safety issue with a bunch of other drivers because I was so offended that you might not have seen me in your blind spot. Um, I have definitely used the uh, uh, shoulder in order to pass people and make a statement on the freeway. Yeah, these are the stupid kinds of things, the brake checking and the having to flip off and create these ridiculous dialogues with people who are in other automobiles and just completely not being cognizant of what is actually going on. Isn't it, isn't it better for me to just maybe light up a joint I have no problem registering with the state. I have no problem passing a test with the DMV. I have no problem proving myself as a capable medicated driver, but we aren't having those conversations yet. And if that's what you want, if, if culpability is what people are actually looking for, let's bring about an actual answer, a solution to that where people are going to be held culpable. They will be held accountable for being someone who has chosen to use cannabis and drive. And people have a way to check that and make sure that they are indeed not only accountable, but actually competent. Now, there are some dangers if you are going to be someone who is going to move into the whole medicated realm and might have to learn how to use cannabis in your daily life and driving while being under the influence of cannabis under that euphoric stone or high, however it works. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you don't get stoned every now and then. That's the fucking point sometimes, but there are dangers waiting for stop signs to turn green is probably at the top of the list. You will wait for a stop sign to turn green. Paying too much attention to a simple task, being over-focused in the present moment, again, that whole meditative state, if that isn't something that comes naturally to you, if you aren't the kind of person who maybe spaces off every now and then and you're like, oh my God, did I go that whole 10 miles and not even notice? Did I blink? Uh, if that's not something you're used to thinking, be prepared for it. Don't be frightened by it. You just went on autopilot. Uh, let's see here. Another thing. Oh, distracted driving. One of the things, especially with the whole Prop 64, but one of the things that I started doing within the last year, especially with the Actitude filters that I love to use for my joint rolling, is I roll joints 
and specifically I rolled joints that look like cigarettes and I use that to smoke when I'm driving. I don't take bong hits while I'm driving. I'm not trying to take dabs while I'm driving. I'm not even trying to use a pipe because that's just way too obvious. And even with tinted windows, I freak out about it. The point being, I have made it both as inconspicuous and as easy to access in my time of need as humanly possible in order to not be distracted by my needs when I'm driving in order to not be a dick about it. All right. And I mean, and and that doesn't mean that I'm not sometimes like there are times when I'm trying to use my hemp light and the wick falls out and there's no way that I can see that tiny little tube while I'm driving. And I just have to admit it's not that fucking worth it. So still be reasonable, still be logical, take a deep breath, make it work. Because the worst thing that you could do is panic. And that is another true danger, not just of driving stoned, but if you aren't used to it, especially if you are becoming accustomed to driving while high. The biggest thing that you can do for yourself is to just take a deep breath and remind yourself that you're getting used to this, that you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to nail life every moment of every single day in order to be a a qualitative human being. As Douglas Adams would say, don't panic. And the problem is everyone does. And you don't have to be stoned. I think I was listening to, I think it was This American Life, where they were talking about some of the auto recalls specifically ones by Toyota over the accelerator pedal and how that recall didn't really have a whole lot of meat behind it to prove that it was actually a necessity and that it seems much more likely that people are hitting the wrong pedal. They think they're hitting the brake, but they're actually hitting the accelerator. And one of the examples they used was I think he was a retired CHP officer uh, who was in the car with his whole family. And over the blue, uh, the the OnStar, I think is what it is, um, they, they captured the last moments of the car going over a cliff. And the man was so sure that something was stuck on the accelerator that he was hitting the brake, but the car was reacting as though it was an accelerator. And studies show that what's happening is people are actually hitting the accelerator and they think it's the brake and they're not taking the moment to breathe, reassess the situation. They just panic. They're so used to doing things the same way that they can't find the fluidity to change with the situation. And if you are going to be experimenting with drugs, you have to be able to be fluid The nice thing is drugs can really help you do that, but you have to be willing to go with the flow. You got to open your mind to it. Got to open your mind to it. You may not start out like water. You may start out more like a a mushy, blobby, wet Play-Doh, but you'll get there. All right. So let's talk about the studies. Now, the, the one that most of the prohibitionists are going to talk about is NIDA. Uh, their accumulation of studies. And they have accumulated plenty of studies that talk about the many dangers 
of driving while intoxicated from cannabis because cannabis is so intoxicating. And when you look at all these different studies and put them together, obviously it would be illogical for you to allow someone to drive on this substance. However, in order to get to that conclusion, they skew a shit ton of info. One of the connections that they they don't like to really solidify is that the presence of the most widely used illicit substance that just also happens to hang around in your system for an exceptionally long time after its use does not have any direct correlation to being the cause of any accident. No direct correlation. Just because there's a presence of a very widely used, they acknowledge this, a very widely used substance doesn't mean that it actually causes fatal accidents. And even by the end of their summation, they have to concede that more moderated studies show no significant impairment when accounting for the numerous factors of things like typical use uh, and gender and age and all these different things. But the, the main thing is your personal tolerance, how well acquainted you are with being stoned. Now, one of the more moderate studies that they referred to is one that it was done by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the NHTSA. And that study showed that there was no significant impairment, especially by people who had a previous history with cannabis. Another study that is more favorable of a, a logical perception of this argument is AAA. They did a study showing that an increase there was an increase in Washington State in a fatal accidents where cannabis was in the system. But they do also account for the fact that that doesn't necessarily correlate to causation. They do make that specification. One of the things that they don't do is talk about the fact that the increase in fatal accidents was before cannabis had really hit the market in Washington. And it, it happened in the first half of 2014, which is the year that this, this study talks about. And there was only like one or a few actual pot shops operating in Washington. Now, some of the increase could be because of the legalization in Colorado and its proximity. But that, again, I mean, they never even really bother to make mention that this is a factor. It definitely influences the outcome. Another thing that can really influence that outcome is the weather. In the first half of the year, we had like, what, four years of snowbageddon or, or whatever the fuck they want to call it. I'm in Southern California. Snowbageddon for us is, hey, maybe we'll get some rain this year. And in Washington, that's a whole different discussion. I'm sure weather like that is going to increase those fatal accidents. Now, in Washington, they say that there was a huge increase in fatal accidents, whereas the same year that cannabis was legalized in Colorado, there was only a one and a half increase in accidents, which is something that 
is just not significant enough to attribute to any particular factor, yet alone the legalization of marijuana. Now, there's another interesting thing about those Washington accidents, though. According to the Washington Times, I'm just going to quote them here. Uh, and this was uh, an article that they posted, and I'll have the link to it along with several other articles that I looked into, the AAA thing, the uh, National Highway Study, the NIDA study, I shouldn't say study, the NIDA summation, multiple studies. Those will all be on my website, thespliffpodcast.com, under the blog posting for episode 65. And I know I've been getting a lot of the links up late lately. Sometimes I don't get them up until Saturday... Sunday, maybe Monday. Ah, I'm so sorry. If you're checking for links and they aren't there, please check back because I will post them eventually. And if I don't post a link that you're looking for, just holler at me. You can leave a comment. Ooh, what's up, McNuts420? I forgot to uh, get back to you, but I did read your comments and I'm going to write back to you too. Keep listening to the podcast. Woo woo. Appreciate it. And I love your comments. You can never comment too much. There's plenty of room, friend. Moving on to what we're talking about, the Washington Times. This is what they had to say about that incredible increase of fatal crashes that took place in, in Washington after the legalization of cannabis. Quote, authorities in Washington recorded 436 fatal crashes in 2013 and determined that drivers involved in 40 crashes tested positive for THC, the active chemical in marijuana, blippity bloppity, according to the study. All right, blippity bloppity wasn't part of the quote. In 2014, they found that 462 fatal crashes, 85 drivers tested positive for THC. So there was a total increase of 26 accidents fatal accidents. And while the number of drivers that had THC in their system more than doubled, that can be attributed to access. Nothing else is 26 more fatal crashes, something that we can legitimately say, one, because we don't know whether or not they were caused. They could have been caused. They could not have been caused. Historically speaking, it's unlikely that they were attributed to to cannabis alone, especially when they found that half of those 85 drivers also had an illegal amount of alcohol in their system, which is something else that a lot of the summations and reports on these studies like to leave out. The main point of this being that one year worth of data and at that incomplete data just isn't enough to give you an argument that banning cannabis as a substance on which you can't drive, is a legitimate argument to keep someone from driving and actually having a fucking life. All right, I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to move into a safety meeting. Um, I know it is not a favorable viewpoint whatsoever. I know that even as hard as it may be to come out as a cannabis user, to then come out as someone who willfully stubbornly is also driving while using this substance is just insane it's it's we might as well be 30 years ago trying to to pass cannabis legislation it's like <laughs> it's like going back that far i have to constantly argue with other stoners 
And, and a lot of times other stoners are even more vehemently against uh, this this perception that stone driving should be okay. Uh, like they have to, to prove themselves as as logical thinkers even more so because they are cannabis users than a lot of people who don't use cannabis and are at least willing to hear my argument from a patient side and to to really address a lot more of the facts than just say, oh, fuck you, you shouldn't have to be able to fucking get stoned in order to drive. Well, fuck you, I shouldn't have to explain to you that cannabis is medicine. Ugh. It's really simple. If you don't want to drive stoned, don't get stoned and drive. If you shouldn't be on the road driving stoned, don't get stoned and drive. However, you have no power to keep somebody else from living their life. Especially when the facts just don't add up in a way that really, not even close to overwhelmingly, but even mildly suggests that this is an action that needs to be moderated on a serious level. Okay, that was it. That's, that, that, that's what I'm done. Safety meeting. Time for a new strain. And I want to smoke it earlier because it makes me a little derpity derped. Derpity derp, another mental state that pretty much everyone experiences, but which could be totally attributed to stoners alone. However, derp is not synonymous with stoner. So I can blow somebody's mind with that one. What I got packing right now is some THC bomb. It is super dense, super crystally. I tell people that it's called THC bomb because when you open it up, it's like a bomb went off and everything's just scattered with THC. And it is so keefy. That is very, very true. But it's called THC bomb in part because it's by Bomb Seeds and they don't give the genetics of the strain. Uh, they just tell you that it's a hybrid and it is a hybrid. It's a very, very well-balanced OG leaning hybrid and OGs aren't my favorite, but this one is really cushed out. The nose is a very mellow, sweet earthiness to it instead of that kind of piney, pungent, almost diesel-y of a very, uh, sativa leaning OG kush. However, this hits your head with all of that OG-ness that you would still get in a really pungent strain. And it's just so beautiful. I will be putting pictures of this one up on the Instagrams. And I kind of stopped posting videos for a while because I had one and I guess my t-shirt was just too low cut for someone to handle because the first comment was like, look at her boobs. And I was like... Thanks, Captain Obvious. Awkward. I mean, like, you don't have to tell people to look at them. Like, who are you talking to? One, when you comment on my posts and don't tag anyone, you're just telling me to look at my boobs. Like, my boobs every day. Duh. But I'm not going to lie. It made me a little anxious, and I kind of backed off on it. <sighs> don't worry. I'm not going to let the haters get me down. I'm just saying, guys, like, you don't have to tell someone, anybody, to look at a girl's boobs. They're going to look at them. Duh. Cheers.
super smooth hit. Uh, there's just uh, the only cough you want to get is really just from the heat right on the ass end of the exhale. <clears throat> you can get just that that little uh, phlegmy response in your larynx from from the heat itself, but the rest of it is so smooth, especially considering how trichy it is. A lot of times when you get something that's got a whole lot of trikes to it between the resin content and the THC content, my lungs are just dying to explode from really potent hits. It's one of the reasons why I don't like the THC distillate so much. And on this one, those cushy, really sweet, earthy terps. Oh yeah. Oh man. It just hit my head right now too. A little bit of a creeper. Clear that out. Oh, and it burns so nice and even. I just dusted that whole little bowl right there. I'm going to pack another one. Oh, so, so while I was listening back to the Secret Cup episode, I, I think that's the one I was listening to. I, uh, I heard myself talk about terpenes and then say, oh, well, I'll talk more about that on another podcast. And that was like 50 podcasts ago. And while I talked about indicas and sativas, oh, shit, I just went to pack my bowl and I was looking at my audio file and not my bong and the bowl was turned away from me. And unfortunately, the bowl was actually to the side of the bong. And I just dropped a gorgeous fucking trikey nug of this THC bomb down my down my down stem. Fuck. <laughs> Step one, put empty bowl into bong. Step two, fill bowl with bud. Success. Oh my god, it's so sticky. The smell reminds me of when I had the white. The white was even actually more pungent than I feel like this THC bomb is. It's so in the jar. And for how trichy it is, that it isn't overwhelmed with terpenes. I mean, and under the scope, it still has great cloudy formation, super big bulbous heads, uh, and a nice amber sheen to it. But these Kush terpenes are just super smooth. All right, step three, smoke bowl. Step four, complete thought. So next week, we're going to talk about terpenes. We're going to get really more into the nitty gritty of the future of the terpene industry, of how to understand terpenes, and really dial them in more to make them work for you. Uh, blowing apart the whole indica versus sativa need whatsoever, and just going straight for the terpenes. So I hope you look forward to that. And I'll see you guys next week. Want to give another shout out to Kevin McLeod for the super amazing track that plays at the top and the bottom of my podcast. I got the track on freemusicarchive.org. He's a really proliferate musician. If you, I mean, you have seen a TV show or movie that has his music in it. And his name is real big at the end of those credits. 
And just the fact that he gives his music away for someone like me to use and then put bottle noises over, which is just for mentioning that he did it. Oh, and then did I mention the name of the track? It's Slow Burn. So have one with me while we listen to this music, you guys. Pack your bowl. Get it ready. Slow burn it down. Thanks for spliffing it. Ciao for now. I was uh, going to wait to put the finishing touches on this. Uh, Sue and I and, and some friends, Sean, were hanging out one day and taking some dabs. And, you know, and you get all stoned and you start, like, doing, like, parody songs and stuff. And and I, I, I started uh, doing a parody of this one song that's actually pretty near and dear to my heart. Uh, me and my cousins bonded over it when we first met each other. Uh, it's kind of weird being adopted and meeting your family and, and then being a young adult trying to, to bond with, uh, like preteens and stuff. But, uh, we found this song and I was kind of surprised that they knew it, honestly. But, uh, I, I'm sure you probably know it too. And, and it's probably also had a really big impact on your life. And, uh, I just wanted to do a little dedication for Sue. And I think, uh, in light of Dabbing Granny's shout out, uh, it's pretty appropriate. So it's not finished. I wanted to, to finish it, but what I do have, I hope you enjoy. Okay. Me, 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 me. Okay, okay. I like big dabs and I cannot lie. You other dabbers can't deny that when Sue walks in with a big old slab and a hot nail to your place, you get stoned. Don't even need another bowl because you notice them turps a skunk. Look at them globs she dabbing. I'm hooked and I can't stop sharing. Oh, baby, I want to get with ya. The winning hit that. Them indicas try and stone me, but the sativas make me, me, me so horny. Yeah, that's how we roll. You're welcome. <laughs> 